Uh, I'm Barry Jones. I'm the missions president, and I get the um, the privilege of introducing the Potters. Um, they are act- they actually attended this church, David, uh, as a little tiny kid, and then I think as a maybe a high school or through college. Um, Sylvia came to college. They met in college. They started attending University Avenue now Mission Church. Uh, they got married here in 1980, so they have um, deep roots. This is probably their home, <laughs> home church for them. And I know a lot of you, you know the Potters, so it's, it's great to have you here. Um, they've been on the mission field for 30 years, uh, serving the Lord faithfully. Uh, in, they initially were in Papua New Guinea. Um, they are both nurses. They worked as nurses, but also helped in establishing and nationalizing the, uh, the, the college in Papua New Guinea. I worked with uh, church development, a lot of different things. And then they, they were called uh, to Vanuatu, or Vanuatu, depending on how you want to say it. And there they, um, they were involved in, again, uh, developing leadership, uh, establishing the South, I'll get this right, the South Pacific Nazarene Theological College. But most importantly, um, man, just serving the Lord in a humble um, you know, Christ-following way. They're, they're two of the most humble people I know. Um, and, and God has used them in mighty ways because they simply are totally given over to him. So um, I love you guys. Looking forward to what you have to hear um, say to us. Let's welcome the Potters. Well, yeah, this is our home church, and we dedicated our children here, and we were sent out from here as well as the global church, but uh, served basically in two countries, Papua New Guinea and Vanuatu, and in Papua New Guinea, we were training nurses and leading the Nazarene College of Nursing, and then we had a huge transition in our lives uh, in 2003 to Vanuatu to be the pioneer missionaries for the Church of Nazarene in Vanuatu, started training pastors and planning churches and and preaching. And Sylvia's going to talk more about that later. But we praise God for what he's done. And when missionaries come back, they usually tell you their best missionary stories, their success stories. But the truth is that everything doesn't usually go the way we want it to go. There's, there's difficult times. There's, there's ups and downs. And we know that you've experienced a lot of ups and downs, especially in these last two pand- pandemic years. That's what we want to talk about today. The ups and downs of ministry, 30 years of ministry, in less than 30 minutes. We'll see if it's possible. I don't know. Well, it had just been eight months that we had been in Papua New Guinea when I definitely heard lots of gunshots and I heard screaming and yelling and I looked out the window, I pulled the curtain back and we were surrounded by a big wall of fire all the way around our end of the station. I couldn't believe it. And what was happening was there was a tribe coming down the mountainside and they'd burned down an entire village of homes. And those people were screaming and grabbing their possessions and running 
including with their homemade rifles, and they were going across the cow pasture, and some of them were scaling the chain link fence and coming on to Kujip Station there in Papua New Guinea. And I immediately started praying, Lord, stop this violence and protect innocent people. In the middle of my prayer, I was interrupted by this thought. Where are our boys? Because <laughs> we had Joel, Jeffrey, and Wesley, three boys that we were raising. And Jeffrey and Wesley, we quickly realized, were with us. But Joel, we didn't know where he was. He could be anywhere on the station. He had lots of spiritual aunts and uncles everywhere. Um, Kujip Station is about a half mile across. It has the employees of the hospital and the employees of the Nazarene College of Nursing and all the missionary families. So he could be anywhere. But I knew that we couldn't stay there. (laughs) We were way too close to the fire and the gunshots going off. And so uh, a doctor on the other side of the station opened his home to us, and we jumped in our car and took off. And as we're fleeing the area, I see this helicopter coming down and landing in an open field. And uh, I thought to myself, "That's, that's our evacuation helicopter. And sure enough, we found out later it had nothing to do with that. (laughs) they were just bringing equipment for the police to help stop the tribal fighting. And so we traveled on to that doctor's house and we opened the door and there's Joel. Praise the Lord. He's safe. Wonderful. Then we realized that there were 20 villagers hiding out in the living room. And uh, something that a lot of people don't understand about Papua New Guinea is that the missionaries are not a target. They hear about the tribal fighting all the time. But and unless you choose sides, but if you're hiding villagers in your living room, guess what? <laughs> you're choosing sides. <laughs> so this doctor was doing the right thing, but he was putting his family at risk. He was putting his own life at risk. And we praise the Lord that the police were able to come the next day and safely evacuate all those who were hiding out in missionary homes and other homes And get them safely off the station. He protected that doctor and his family and Joel and our family and those villagers who are hiding out. We just praise God. That's an example of a crisis situation. A difficult situation where the Lord wants us to cry out to him. And we did. We cried out to him for help. Just like you would want your children to come to you if they were having difficulty. And to cry out to you for help. He too. He loves us and he cares about us. And. He, he wants us to come to him. Another time that was very hard was, and I'm telling the downs, Sylvia's going to come and share the highlights, the ups, but uh, the downs first. We had just selected the, the students who would be in the Nazarene College of Nursing for the next year, and there was a village that was close by, and they were upset with us because we hadn't chosen their young people, and we really wanted to. But there weren't any that were qualified, so we weren't able to. And then one night, during a quiet study hall, we uh, suddenly angry men showed up, and they had axes in their hands, and they started smashing everything in sight, doors and windows and desks, books. Students fled in every direction. They just took off. That evening, they sent me a note. That note said, And you're not bulletproof. Now, that's not such a veiled threat. 
And we began to cry out to our Lord and say, what do we do in this situation? This is a country in which the police are completely unreliable. You can call and they say, we don't have a vehicle right now. It's raining. <laughs> they won't come. So we cried out to our Heavenly Father for help. What do we do, Lord? And we talked with our leaders and they said, it'd be best if you go away to a safe place for a while. And so we did. We flew to Doosan. Uh, Doosan is off in the jungle. Well, you've probably heard about the uttermost part of the earth. That's Doosan. There's no road to it. It's three, a three-day walk to get there. Or you can fly, a one-hour flight. So we flew. And there's a missionary house there. And we opened the door, and we were so tired. I tell you, we were emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. Fell down on the bed there, and no sooner did we do that than there was a knocking at the door. And somebody said, you've got to come right now. We need your help. There's a little boy who's been accidentally axed in the side. And so we followed them. We stumbled down the hill, followed them to a little boy who was on a stretcher. And the story came out that he had gone out to go to the bathroom during the night. And then his father didn't see him go out. But when he came back, he thought the house was being attacked by evil spirits. So he took his axe and he threw it and he hit his own boy in the side. Broke his ribs. And they had him wrapped up. They had gauze around his middle and... We knelt down and prayed for this boy. And we looked at that bandage. There is no fresh blood on it, and that was good. And we checked his blood pressures. Blood pressure was good. We gave him oral rehydration solution like, like Gatorade would be for his fluids. And then we had to tell him, continue carrying him. Carry him three more hours to get to Sangapi. That's the nearest medical clinic. And so they picked him up on that stretcher, and they headed off for Sangapi. And we stumbled our way back up the hill to the missionary house. And when we got there, we slept and slept and slept. We were so, so tired. And this house was a very special place to me. It's a place where I had a very vivid dream of an angel coming and scooping me up out of bed. And holding me so tight that I could hardly breathe. But I knew that God loved me. I knew he cared about me. And, you know, I don't know if that was just a dream. Or if that was the Lord speaking to me in a very direct way. But I took it as him speaking to me about his great love. But I can tell you this on the authority of God's word. That he does love us. He, he loves us more than you can imagine. He's given himself for us to rescue us from sin. Praise the Lord. He cares about us. And when we're in a difficult situation, he wants to hear from us. You know, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And he won't. He won't forsake us. During good times or difficult times, hard times, it doesn't matter. He loves us. He cares about us. You know, when I think about a difficult life, I think about the life of Joseph. He had so many difficulties. His brothers hated him. They threw him down a well. They sold him into slavery. 
Um, he had strong sexual temptations. Lots of difficulties in his life. He was falsely thrown in prison. When his father died, his brother said, he's going to get us now. He's going to get even with us. But Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. And so he spoke kindly to them. He said, I'll provide for you and your families. And he, he, he spoke very gently and kindly with them. He was actually being a part of God's mission, ministry of reconciliation. And we know from the Apostle Paul that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That we can actually help people be in right relationship with God. And then learn how to love each other like he intends. And with the power of his Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. He cares about us and he helps us during those difficult, those difficult times. Well... I don't want to share just all the downs, but I want Sylvia to come and share the highlights, the really wonderful things that God has done. It's such a privilege to be here with you today. And I told David that I was really afraid I was just going to stand up here and cry as I looked out on you all. Um, Psalm 126.3 says, The Lord has done great things for us. And he, we are filled with joy. God has done great things for us. (laughs) Your church has been a part of our lives for so many years. um, And we're, we're just filled with joy that we have been on this mission together. You have supported us. You have been participating in World Evangelism Fund. You have prayed for us. And... We're excited to share this final report as we head off to retirement with you of what God has done in these 30 years of ministry. Um, During those years in um, Papua New Guinea, um, the government had issued to all the schools of nursing a, uh, a memo saying you've got to change your curriculum from certificate level to diploma level. And not a small thing it's a huge thing and we weren't really sure what that would entail uh, what it would look like and so we um, David decided that it would be a good idea to ask the Nazarene universities to send the chairman of their nursing department to come and maybe help us and also to be the quality assurance team that helped us to turn out a good program in the end And he thought maybe one Nazarene University would partner with us, and Point Loma did. And we were excited for that because that's where we graduated from. And Margaret Stevenson came to be with us. But there were three other Nazarene universities that joined them. Um, We went to visit Margaret Stevenson just two days ago. Um, She still has clear memories about that time. She's 90 years old now. It was such a delight to be with her. Um, to think about what God has done as a result of partnership in ministry. Um, That team continued to walk with us as we transitioned, writing new curriculum. One of the biggest challenges was figuring out how to get our faculty um, to continue their education to the next level. 
They were diploma graduates, and they needed to get up to bachelor's level. There's no bachelor's of nursing available in Papua New Guinea. Um, the, the governments of Australia and New Zealand helped us out, and they invited our faculty to come to their, their universities to work towards their bachelor's degree and on to their master's degree in nursing at their expense. So the Church of the Nazarene didn't have to foot the bill for all of that academic achievement. We praise the Lord for that. And we are thankful for how God used um, the man that David was mentoring to become the principal of the school when he was finished. Mr. White Kentuck was a Papua New Guinean he was a young man or a little boy when the first pioneer missionaries arrived in Papua New Guinea and met Wanda Knox, Wanda and Sydney Knox. White got to see what happens when the gospel is shared in a village to his family and his own life, and he believed in the power of the gospel. And during this transition time, Mr. White was feeling in his own heart a call to do a new thing in the School of Nursing, and that was to not just change the curriculum to a diploma in nursing, but also provide curriculum that allowed these nurses, as they were being trained, to become people on mission. And so he incorporated a certificate in ministry that taught classes in theology, how we get to know God and who he is, classes in evangelism, teaching our students how to share the gospel and share their testimony, Um, classes in the Bible that taught them how to read it, how to understand it, and how to share it with other people. So today, after all of the transition, um, our graduates go out into the remote parts of Papua New Guinea as church-planting nurses, taking the gospel and the good news of Jesus to remote places where the church has not gone yet. And we praise the Lord for the good thing that God did as a result of this partnership in his work. Well, Mr. White is still the principal of that school 20 years later, and we praise the Lord for him. He's an amazing, godly man who is still taking teams of students out to churches, giving them the opportunity to lead in worship and share their lives with other people. We were set free, kind of, from our work there and were offered the opportunity to go to Vanuatu to open the work in Vanuatu. Um, David had been very interested in Vanuatu ever since the team had gone to Uh, just explore and see if that was a place we wanted to take the Church of the Nazarene. He never anticipated that he would be the one to go, but he had been keeping all kinds of notes from his study online of Vanuatu and what kind of place it was. Our field strategy coordinator, Vern Ward, asked us at our exit interview from Papua New Guinea, so what do you think about being the missionaries to open the work there in Vanuatu? And David was kind of ready, but I was not. So God had a little work to do in my heart over the next few months of home assignment, and then it became clear that that's what God wanted. 
um, it felt strange because we had never been pastors, really. We had never started a church for us to be the ones to go in. But we were willing and we were obedient. And we became what Mr. White had dreamed of, church planting nurses. Um, As we look back, we can see how God prepared us. Even while we were in Papua New Guinea, David was feeling the call to preach more. And so he completed the courses he needed to be ordained and began preaching in churches uh, there in Papua New Guinea. And then he was asked to come alongside of a district superintendent and um, assist that DS in church development in that faraway remote place where Doosan is located. And uh, he got experience in seeing what district advisory boards can look like and some of the things that are challenges for a developing district. And because I was his wife, I was asked to be um, the assistant to the district treasurer. Um, that was my first step into mission finance. Not that I had, I was a nurse. I was not an accountant or a bookkeeper at all. But I began to learn some things that I never knew. Uh, I'd grown up in the Nazarene Church, but I didn't have any idea um, about what kind of things happened with our offerings until I started helping that district treasurer count all those little toyas and kinas and things that the churches brought as their offerings to the district and to their educational budget and to World Evangelism Fund. So I learned some things. I learned about statistics that are kept to be accountable for our work on the mission field. So when we arrived there, we were prepared a little bit to start the work of the Lord there. And we started on our front porch with a Sunday school for children. And children came. It was just a few months after we arrived. We were in a neighborhood of all Nivanuatu people with lots of children. And the children invited their friends. And then their parents came. And our church began to grow very quickly. And um, we prayed, Matthew 9:38, Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into our harvest field. We need help. And, you know, I think that God likes us to pray that prayer. I think he needs us to recognize that he's the one who sends, and we need to ask him to send. And he began, and I don't think he's stopped sending out people um, to work in Vanuatu. One of the first people that um, I remember was a young girl that was 15 years old. Um, She showed up in my Sunday school class. And she was listening to what I was saying. Her eyes were listening eyes. She was just all ears and eyes. And um, so I went to her afterwards, and I learned who she was, learned that she'd come from one of the northern islands to ours um, to work for her auntie, who was employed and had to be out of the home. And Taku was a, a housekeeper and laundry girl for her aunt. But on the weekends, she was free. Um, to do what she wanted and she came to our church and I don't know how she found us because we had no sign and we hadn't gotten a building of any kind Um, but I asked her I said you know if you have some time you could join our Sunday school team I was training two other girls and I said you can join them so she came and as I was 
helping the girls to read through the scripture in Bislama that day. Uh, we were taking turns, and it came Taku's turn, and she stumbled over every word. Um, we had to help her read that. And I learned that not everybody gets to go to school. It's just not everybody's privilege. Uh, I learned that she'd gone to first grade, and because parents have to pay school fees, um, you can't pay for everybody to go to school. And Taku didn't get that privilege. But she was willing to learn, and so we began to equip her and train her and walk beside her. And she became a Sunday school teacher that went to new areas, new places, um, to share uh, Sunday school lessons with a group of children in hopes that we could start a church there. Today, Taku is a pastor, pastor of the Bellevue Park Church of the Nazarene. She has only a few courses left to complete in order to, to have that certificate in ministry. And then she'll be eligible to be ordained and become Reverend Taku Tasso. I'm so glad that I didn't miss seeing Taku that day. Um, and I didn't, didn't just think she wasn't worth it because she hadn't gone to school. Um, she was willing. She was available. That's how God sees us, too. Uh, it's not so much our skills and our abilities that he wants. He wants us to be available. And he's still sending people out today. You know, those first three years were really challenging. And um, we a lot of people were joining us, but the church was growing so fast. And I kind of burned myself out and was really, we were looking forward to going home on home assignment, but it was hard because we didn't have anybody take our place. But God was aware of that and was preparing already. There is a young couple in Papua New Guinea who were the chaplain uh, and teachers in their Bible college, Peter and Jenny Isaac, and they were feeling called to mission, uh, something that not very many Papua New Guineans feel. They're still receiving missionaries to their country. So they prayed and prayed and prayed about that, making sure it was true, and God persisted in calling them. And um, so they went to their leaders and said, God's calling us to be missionaries. We don't know what to do. And they said, well, we have a place for you to serve in Vanuatu with the potters. And Peter and Jenny Isaac and their three boys came to join us in 2006, and they're still serving today, 16 years later. We're thankful for their persistence. It's not been easy for them. They didn't get any cross-cultural training before they came, and it's all been on the job. Peter became the district superintendent and began developing the district across those 83 islands. Um, David was asked to start a Bible college, um, not something he'd ever done before, but um, God helped him. And one of the things that helped us was that we began to join with other South Pacific Island nations that had Nazarene churches and were training their pastors. Um, we joined once a year with Samoa and Fiji and Solomon Islands, talking about the possibility of making a Bible college that was uh, one college but in four different nations. And today, South Pacific Nazarene Theological College is, is graduating pastors and um, helping our churches to grow uh, in those four nations. 
We've graduated seven pastors from Vanuatu, and as soon as they graduate, we start equipping them to be um, teachers so they can be faculty for our, our Bible College campus. One of the hard things is to get them up to the next level of education so they're still learning. And we're thankful for Nazarene Theological College in Brisbane, Australia. They came alongside of us. They wanted to contribute to mission and have a video conferencing program that they made available for our school in Vanuatu as well as in the other South Pacific nations. And so Reverend Miriam Naunga, our first ordained woman elder, has begun that program working towards her diploma and on towards her master's through a computer where she sits together with other students that also are challenged by English, but she's learning to read English and to present essays in English. She's halfway there towards her diploma, and we praise the Lord for that. God has been good to us, and we're thankful for the Church of the Nazarene that recognized that education could be a method of evangelism. And we're so thankful for all the opportunities, all the people that we've gotten to walk beside, help them to embrace Christ, to sense his call in their lives, and then to become who he wanted them to be. We're thankful. Thankful for partners from around the world. This church sent a work and witness team to Papua New Guinea many years ago. Dan and Vicki Kopp led that team and, and uh, helped to build some buildings for our nursing faculty. Uh, we've had people that built a house for us in Vanuatu, and now it belongs to the Isaacs. <clears throat> we've had youth and mission teams come that uh, helped us to start new churches on different islands in Vanuatu. Thankful for young people that are willing to give up their summer holiday to work with missionaries. We've had so many retired people come and help us as well. So don't think just because you've retired that God can't send you. There's still work that could be done. <laughs> Today, after more than 19 years, there are 12 churches of the Nazarene across those 83 islands. They're in four islands. We've got one more island Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> I thought I turned that off a long time ago. Ah. We've got a new island they're aiming for, Ambai, um, which will be our fifth island um, and a, a 13th, 14th church. Um, we had an, a church start um, in 2020 after a Category 5 hurricane blew across our uh, islands to the north and destroyed homes and gardens and blew people's belongings away. And 2020 was a year when there weren't any planes flying um, out of America or into Vanuatu, either one. We knew that there would be no disaster relief. But our our Nazarenes on uh, Afate in Port Vila had seen what, Uh, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries was all about. And so they said, well, it's our turn. We can step up to this challenge. And they gathered in food and clothing and dishes and Bibles and gospel tracts 
put together a team and sent them on a boat to the island of Espiritu Santo. That's Portuguese for Holy Spirit Island. And they went to the village of Pepsi. That's American for a kind of cola drink, Pepsi. (laughs) Um, And they arrived there, and they spread out a tarp, and they put all of what they brought into little piles so that everybody in that village could have something. It was like a Melanesian crisis care kit. You guys have done that, right? Crisis care kits where you have a Ziploc bag that you put things into that help people in disaster. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten to give one of those to somebody that's in the middle of a disaster. Uh, It speaks hope into their lives. And that's what the people of Pepsi Village felt. They felt hope and they saw compassion in the lives of these people that brought the stuff. And they said, we want your church to come here to our village. And so it opened the door for Pastor Gideon and Pastor Eileen to begin going there and sharing the gospel. And people were saved. And then they taught them what the Church of the Nazarene was all about. And they said, that's the church we want. And so today, there is a Nazarene church in Pepsi Village on Espiritu Santo. Praise the Lord that good things can come out of hard times. Well, we left Vanuatu last November. Um, and I can't, I have to say, I didn't cry. People say, were you really sad? I wasn't. I felt like God had done a very good thing. We had people in place that would take over for us. And that was, that was wonderful. That was our goal. And so we weren't feeling sad about it. We feel good about what God has done there. And he continues to do good things. Thank you for what you've done. Glory to God. And thank you for sharing, dear. Well, you know, our part is pretty simple. It's to give ourselves completely to him and say, do with me what you want, Lord. That's, that's really the bottom line. That's really what it's all about. And it kind of reminds me of the little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. What did Jesus do with that? He took it. He blessed it, and then he fed thousands. (laughs) And that's the sort of thing that he does. That's the kind of God we serve. And then he gives his very best gift, the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in and empowers us for service and, and helps us. That's his very best gift when he gives us himself. The, the spirit of God, uh, the spirit of Jesus in our lives, we just, there is no better gift. There really isn't. Well, the Lord wants us to participate joyfully in mission and be a part of this ministry of reconciliation, helping people know how to be right, in right relationship with God and with each other. And uh, he, he helps us in all of that. Praise his name. We can assist in mission. Sylvia's mentioned a lot of things. Uh, There's some really practical things. One is pick up our card and commit to praying for us. We need your prayers. Uh, There's youth in mission in the Church of Nazarene. You can give your time during the summer. Or work in witness. That's another wonderful program that has been used to the Lord in so many ways. Pray for Peter and Jenny Isaac, our partners, and global missionaries still there 
in Vanuatu. And we're, we're retiring from global mission. But we're not retiring from God's mission. <laughs> we're still part of God's mission, and you are too. Praise his name. Well, let, let's thank the potters again for, um, for sharing. What I kept hearing was, well, Lord, we're available. I think that's, that's the story of their life. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm available. I'm, I may not be qualified, but I'm available. And that's really the story of faith promise. Um, God doesn't ask us to be qualified. He, doesn't ask, he just asks us to be available, to be faithful um, to what he's put on our hearts for faith promise. Um, I shared last week, uh, we, we, we're going to do a lot of things, but we need to ask the question, what am I going to do for faith promise this year? What am I going to do to reach my neighbor, to reach the world? So um, you've got the brochure. Um, our goal is $106,000. We're not, we don't look at the cards other than we tally the total. The name's not on it. It's, not, it's between you and God. It's not between you and that um, mission church. So um, we, we're going we're gonna to take the cards today, uh, your commitment cards to God. And we have a tradition at Mission Church of bringing them up and placing them on the altar. We're also going to do our, our normal offering at this time. So um, <clears throat> you can do it one of two ways. You can place it on the altar or you can place it in the, in the, um, uh, you know, the plates as they're passed. Um, you want me to pray for the... I'll pray. Father God, we are, um, again, so thankful that you allow us to be part of your mission. Um, so beautiful to see how you worked through the lives of David and Sylvia over the years. And I know um, there are lots of stories like that here at Mission. I just pray that you would, um, you would take our offering, both the, the faith promise offering as we place it on the altar... And our offering that is we place it in the plate, it's, it's just simply a, a, a way of saying, Lord, we're here, we're committed, use us, use all that you've given to us. Bless it, allow us to reach um, our neighbors and the world for Christ. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.